0: The Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129 presents America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture with Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber. Good day, you're listening to America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I am Carrie Weber, executive editor for America Magazine. And I'm Ashley McInliss, sitting in for Father
1: Matt Malone. Each week, we offer the news and analysis from the intersection of the church and the
0: world, gathered by the team at America Magazine. And one of the members of that team is here with us today, Colleen Dully. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Another voice we have here, thankfully, is our own Kevin Clark, who is a senior editor for America and who has recently, thankfully, returned from Iraq. And we're going to be speaking with him about that experience there. Welcome to the show, Kevin.
2: Thanks for having me. Sorry to waste all that insurance money. In my company. <laughs> Good. Going Started it off with shikes. some with all my <laughs> really
0: <laughs> wonderful humor. Thank you, Kevin. So tell us a little bit about why you thought you wanted to go to Iraq. You know, we hear a lot of the stories. There's, a, there's, there's people, larger, you know, media outlets reporting from there. Um, but you felt, and, and America felt, it was important to send someone there from our team.
2: Well, you know, we talked about that a bit, um, uh, about whether it made sense for someone from staff to go or to f- try to find a local war correspondent who was familiar with quite literally the terrain and, and how to be safe in a war zone and to report from a war zone. And uh, the more I talked to the folks at the Nineveh Reconstruction Committee, um, who helped coordinate my visit there, um, they they actually uh, encouraged me to come. Uh, first of all, they, they said, you know, it, it's not as dangerous, believe it or not, as people might think. They've been in, uh, several of their representatives have been in, out of Mosul, um, on Mosul, not on a regular basis, but they, they have done it. Um, And is that where you spend most of your time? No, actually, I was only in Mosul for a day, which was probably the most uh, potentially dangerous place to be. Um, But they thought it would be encouraging to the Christians to see that a fellow Christian, a Catholic, was coming to visit them and learn about what they've been experiencing so that they understood that they weren't completely forgotten because a lot of them have that sense that uh, the the West, the United States, Europe has moved on. Uh, we're distracted by bigger problems. Even in that region, there are bigger problems have have evolved in the last few years. In Syria, uh, Afghanistan remains to, remains a giant problem, and so Iraq and the fate of the Christians in Nineveh. Uh, which was sort of the homeland of the of all the Christians in Iraq um, seems to have fallen from the headlines, and and they're aware of that, and it 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 bothers them uh, tremendously.
0: When you say the Christians, who what what are we talking about here in terms of numbers?
2: Well, that's a debatable topic. The optimists like to say there's something like uh, two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand. Some say three hundred fifty thousand Christians left in uh, the Nineveh in all of Iraq, and particularly in in Nineveh. Uh, more realistic numbers I heard were anywhere between ninety to one hundred and fifty thousand, and that's now,
1: down from how many in recent decades.
2: I believe Iraq has a total population of around twenty-seven million. Uh, in their in their better years, uh, the Christians represented about two uh, two million, mm-hmm. over two million of that population. So they were a significant minority, and now they're down to being a, fraction, a tenth of what they they were.
1: And what's what's driving them from the country?
2: Well, uh, lately it's been the threat of, uh, uh, of ISIS, uh, of the existential threat that ISIS represented. Uh, in 2014, ISIS swept across the Nineveh Plains, uh, driving Christians from their communities one after another. Uh, they had counted on the Peshmerga to protect them, which is the Kurdish, uh, the, the army of the, uh, the militia of the Kurdish people. Uh, they had been occupying that area. The Iraqi central government had completely withdrawn, so there was no one really counting on them doing doing much um, mm-hmm. to to protect or defend. Um, but the Peshmerga had vowed to do so. Uh, unfortunately, when when ISIS began their assault, uh, the Peshmerga were either outmaneuvered, outnumbered. There's still a lot of <laughs> there's still a lot of suspicions about that. Uh, whether I don't know if I should. Well, I guess I can share them here. That people were were. Suggesting that there might have been a deal cut with the Peshmerga and ISIS. Uh, at any rate, the Peshmerga fell back and abandoned uh, these Christian towns, and uh, people literally had hours; some people had minutes to get out. Um, it, it wasn't clear what ISIS would do, whether if they would just kill people outright, or f- you know, force people to live under attacks or convert to Islam. Uh, they, they, for some people who did not get away, it was sort of that convert or die uh, problem in some some people died a lot of the old people refused to leave or could not leave and they were left behind I think initially a lot of people thought well it'll be a couple of days so we'll be home soon it turned out to be three four years for most people Uh, parents grandparents were never seen again Mm -hmm. that you know people thought we could come back in a few days and check on them that proved to be impossible it's not clear if they were killed if they just died of neglect Um, and there's, yeah, there's so many questions like that that so many families have experienced, what happened to my loved one. Uh, the Yazidi people there in the same region, of course, uh, were even, if, if possible, suffered an even more brutal treatment. Uh, a lot of their men were executed on site. Uh, their women were sold into slavery, sexual slavery. Many of them are still uh, held in Syria by the remnants of ISIS. And uh, Yazidi families are still struggling <clears throat> to restore their uh, their women. Uh, they've kind of decided that the men must be dead at this point.
1: The the Christians who fled, where are they now? Are they in refugee camps? Have they been resettled elsewhere?
2: Initially, they were in makeshift camps all over uh, Iraqi Kurdistan, uh, Dohuk or uh, Erbil, uh, any cities that had not uh, been overrun by ISIS in that region. Other Christian communities were taking in people. Uh, they were very uh, Impromptu initially. In fact, the uh, archbishop's compound in Erbil, Archbishop Warda, uh, at one point had hundreds of people living on the compound. Especially the the night of the the, the great um, escape. Uh, I believe it was uh, in uh, August. Right, if I'm getting my dates right. Um, uh, you know, thousands of people had to leave uh, overnight. August sixth, I believe, and. Uh, They had no idea where to go. Uh, There was no central government to appeal to for assistance. The Iraqi, uh, the Kurds were not letting them through checkpoints. I mean, can you imagine? You've got your whole family thrown into a car, or or worse, you're on foot, and then you're at a checkpoint. You can hear the gunfire behind you, and you're not allowed to go any further. So eventually the Kurds, uh, Peshmerga, let them through, and people just sort of landed wherever they landed. Uh, Within weeks, the, the church had responded and had gotten people into... Intermediary shelters, a lot of abandoned properties, semi-built buildings suddenly became homes. People were, were just taking up residence wherever they could throughout Erbil. Um, over the last 17 months, uh, people have begun to return. Uh, the you know uh, the air campaign and the Iraqi uh, government's campaign against ISIS has driven them more or less. I have to you know it's still qualified. It's not clear you know how completely safe these areas are, uh, have, have driven ISIS uh, first underground, quite literally. They dug tunnels everywhere. They even connected. They had tunnels that were kilometers long, and they mm-hmm. connected cities so that they could travel without being observed by drones. Um, so they're, they're, they're still finding these tunnels, and sometimes ISIS is still using these tunnels. So they can still materialize unexpectedly in places. Um, but some Christians have been returning home. To cities like uh, Karakash, which they call Baghdita the the Assyrian Christians, the Chaldean Christians call that Baghdida. This is sort of a, an indication of the complexity of the area. The Iraqi government has a name for it. the The old Ottoman Empire name Karakash is still being used generally, but the Christians call it a different name uh, based on their language and their history. Uh, there are some Shiites who live there, so they prefer the Turkish name and the Christians want to change it to the Christian name and that's gonna be a giant so the Iraqi government solved the problem by coming up with a third name mm-hmm. which hardly anyone uses but you know, there it is um, so people have returned to Karakash uh, quite a few and they're rebuilding everything that was destroyed either by Iraqi government uh, helicopters American planes or Isis mortar fire or just outright you know as they retreated they detonated uh, Christian worship sites uh, if they hadn't already destroyed them. Right.
0: Do they have now Christian worship sites to go to to worship together?
2: Yes, they're they're starting to restore that. The The church made a decision uh the end of a Reconstruction Committee, with the church, the local church, decided that the first thing they wanted to do was restore as many homes as possible. They, it was low-hanging fruit. You know, which houses have been only partially damaged, which would require the least amount of effort to get back into a habitable uh, state. So uh, they moved through... Houses that were partially damaged, houses that were burned out, but distro- the structure itself was intact. Uh, houses that were completely destroyed, they, they may never get to, uh, but they have restored thousands of homes. And now people in some, some villages, people are looking to restore the, the, their, their churches that were either desecrated or demolished or very badly damaged. So that's beginning to happen. So I saw some restorations that were absolutely beautiful uh, in a couple of the villages I visited. Uh, and it was very important to people, as the priest said. We didn't want to do this, but the people said, "No, no, we need, we need to have the church. We need to come back and see our church." The, the church, the, the main church in Karakash, which was badly damaged. The, I believe the roof was collapsed. People actually prefer to go to it in the state it's in now. So they've been having services. They've been having mass in the, in the Karakash Cathedral. I think it's Saint Mark. I could be wrong. So forgive me if I got that name wrong, but. Um, they're having it exactly as ISIS left it, and I, people are treating that quite reverently, actually, mm-hmm. that that's this really church is, is damaged like our Christian community was damaged, our bodies, our houses were damaged, and it it's, speaks to them to leave it. I don't know if they're going to c- continue to leave it like that, but that's how they've been going to worship mm-hmm. there. You
1: mentioned that um, that uh, the Nineveh Reconstruction commi- Committee committee yeah. um, wanted wanted a fellow Christian journalist to come um, and see what was there and hear the stories. What what were Christians telling you that they wanted either from from their fellow Christians or from the United States?
2: Well, they want things that I don't think people are prepared to give them. Unfortunately, As a lot of people ask me, "Are the Americans going to come back?" They want American soldiers on the ground. They do not trust. Uh, after what happened with the Peshmerga, they don't trust the Peshmerga to protect them any longer. They really don't trust the Iraqi central government. Uh, there's a Shiite uh, militia that is taking up checkpoints all over the region now. Uh, the Hashid, they completely <laughs> don't trust them. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of mistrust. They they feel like no one's there to protect them. They, there's a rudimentary, it's called the Nineveh Protection Unit, uh, a Christian military force, but it's really, I think it's maybe a thousand soldiers and it's really nothing you know no one wants to refer to it as well this is our malicious and so now we're safe no one no one believes that and I think it could be very easily overwhelmed if, if uh, circumstances turn south quickly again um, so yeah they want help with reconstruction they also feel like the UN or the United States or Europe somebody should be stepping in to protect them and not just them like, there are other minority groups that are that have historically been badly treated in Iraq and uh, that that need protection now, the Yazidi, the Mandians. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mandians, but they're uh, no. followers of John the Baptist. <laughs> I mean, Iraq mm. is just sort of like a, a museum <laughs> of religion, of uh, of Eastern religions. Our religion originally an Eastern religion. And uh, you can find them all. The roots of them all are in Iraq. And some of them are deeply—I mean, if you had like a, uh, a wildlife— Protection fund. These these species of, of religions would be deeply deeply endangered, and they'd be on a protection list.
0: I wondered if we could talk a little bit about your own expectations going in and how they were met or not. And you know, when you went, when you left, were you afraid? Were you excited? What did you, uh, what did you expect to find there? And and did you find it?
2: Well, I think it's fair to say, um, as I got on the 16-hour flight from New York to uh, Doha, I really felt, wow, I'm just so too old for this kind of thing. <laughs> um, the last time I went so I went to Honduras, uh, my dad uh, was horrified, and he said, you're too old. You're too old to do this. You have children. Can't do, go up and do field work. Now this is a guy who was a New York fireman for thirty-four years. So he right. so you knows so. something about danger. <laughs> uh, yeah, um,
0: but you do have kids, right? I do have four kids. know, that I did have to think that about limits that limits you.
2: I did have to think but about that. And what
0: did Megan, your wife, think about this?
2: Megan is very supportive of. I don't know if there's any subtext I need to worry about here, but she's always been very supportive. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Central Africa a couple of years ago. Um, in Honduras during uh, some unstable times uh, last year. Um, this didn't seem to phase her too much, uh, especially after I, I told her we'd arrange to have insurance, you know, <laughs> in case anything <laughs> happened. Right, um, so you've,
0: you've had some experience in, in difficult um, situations in reporting, and so how did your expectations differ this time?
2: Well, I, I was, I right off the bat upon arriving, uh, th- you know iraq is very is very much a second world country there's there's a lot of creature comforts that you know uh you might not expect to find there I, I stayed at a perfectly nice hotel uh the 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 first thing that struck me as i got out of the cab was there was a giant statue of our lady in the in the in the inter traffic intersection which i totally did not expect to see uh and uh you know, I was, it was explained that uh, this district that I was staying in, Ankoa in Erbil, is about 90% Christian. And it is It is like by law, it is 90% Christian. You can't buy property there unless you are a Christian oh, interesting. because they're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, offer assurance to Christians that they will have a safe place to live. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the byproduct of that is, of course, there's a great deal of segregation, uh, like just crossing the line into the Sunni neighborhood. You can almost feel the difference Um and, but there was Our Lady just standing up in the middle of the intersection watching over Erbil and me. And uh, I guess I felt a little more comfortable right off the bat. Um, but it also it speaks to the complexity of the problem there. Christians are leaving Erbil. Now, a lot of them have moved in from Mosul and Karakosh and other cities that were threatened by ISIS. So Erbil is relatively safer. They went there as refugees, internally displaced refugees, internally displaced people. And But they re- restarted their lives there. And now a lot of them don't want to leave. You know, their kids are going to school. They've gotten jobs. They rebuild houses sometimes, um, and Our Lady is, is watching over them there. Uh, Shia people want to move there, too. Now, technically, they're not allowed to because it's supposed to be Christian. Uh, so Christians can't sell to Shiite people. Um, so they can only sell to other Christians. Well, Christians are trying to leave, in, in general, they are trying to leave Erbil, so there's not a great demand for Christians to buy houses from other Christians, or sell houses to other Christians. So they've concocted this bit of a, as a scam where they just go to the, the local municipal authorities and say, this person owed me money, and to satisfy the debt, uh, uh, or I owed this person money, I'm giving him my house. And that is that they just sort of paper over the restriction oh, on- Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, something that worries the local Christian uh, establishment. You know, it, it's another way that people can leave. You know, obviously, if you can't, sell your, can't find a way to sell your property, you're more inclined to stay because you'll have nothing where, 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 you're, where you're landing. Um, so it's just one other indication of the, of the sort of the uh, existential threat and the ways people are, are, are dealing with, uh, with having so much uncertainty about their future. They, they're now in the safest part of Iraq, but they still don't feel safe enough to stay
0: right right we talked
1: about um what what the iraqi christians wanted from from the west from the us what is the united states actually doing these days in iraq to help the christians or there's not?
2: A, there's <laughs> a great deal of frustration um about that um i heard from several church leaders uh that they hear lots and lots of promises vice president pence was mentioned frequently mm-hmm. who has he has been making um various overtures we're gonna help the Christians we're gonna help the Christians and you know their their attitude now is put up or shut up we need money <laughs> you know uh, we, we know that you know refugee numbers have been cut down to 30,000 uh, there is no priority for Christians uh, coming out of Iraq uh, on those on those lists
1: are any coming out of Iraq? very to the very US? few hmm.
2: I mean I, I, th- I don't have the numbers in front of me but I think I mean 30,000 is the global figure so maybe if there's a thousand or two thousand that would be significant but Uh, they're
1: not on the banned list
2: generally no Um, well Iraq is Iraq is I don't know how they get around that or how they approach I mean yeah Mm -hmm. I I think Iraq might be or at least it's on the heavily vetted list Um, so that's that's they know they're not going to get that kind of help they're not going to get resettlement assistance so uh, they do. They would love to get money to help them rebuild, uh, rebuild their homes, rebuild their churches, rebuild their livelihoods. Uh, the economy there is, is, on top of everything else that's going wrong, is in very poor shape. The Political situation is very unstable. Um, and yet yeah, people are looking at the United States to, uh, if they're not going to send soldiers and they're not going to allow us to leave, then send some money and help us to stay. Um, that, you know the ones who are remaining, which I hasten to point out is is a perilous view at this point.
1: Yeah. What role does the U.S. have in the current plight of Christians? Did they? Are they? <laughs> I mean, do we have a special responsibility because of our actions in the region?
2: Well, I think we do. Yeah, I think um, they have been blamed. They have been associated with the West. Uh, you know, we're Christian. They're Christian. They had nothing to do with the decisions to invade iraq uh, that led to this this regional instability Um, they felt safer under saddam hussein you know they they felt like that was a giant blunder on the americans part and the english uh, the united kingdom's government part to to overthrow hussein uh, because that sort of unleashed this pandora's box of of, uh, islam extremism islamic extremism that they are now the focus, you know, the, the focus is on them as collaborators, as Westerners. Uh, people say they, they hear from their their Muslim neighbors, "Why don't you just leave? You know, this this part of the world is our part of the world. You can go live in Europe. You know, go live with the West. The West isn't accepting them, so mm-hmm. uh, they're in a very difficult spot. A lot of them have already moved to other Middle Eastern countries where Christian minorities have appear to be safer. Uh, Lebanon and Jordan, among them. Turkey if they can and Europe if they can there's a lot of uh, this This sister I talked to had eight siblings each of them was sim- seemingly in a different country United States Australia Sweden Germany uh, she was she and one other sister were the only family members left in uh, Erbil in Iraq
0: so now you took a number of uh, really lovely photographs while you were there and in uh, some of them there's there's children that are looking you know like, kids, like children, like kids do yeah. right <laughs> uh, just kind of happy and having a lovely afternoon and I wonder if you can talk a bit about the experience of the children that you met there are they being you know uh, do they have any opportunity for education are they do they have are they being recruited for some kinda of militia are they you know do they feel safe do they feel threatened
2: well I think a lot of the kids um, that I talked to uh, saw <clears throat> probably have seen things that no child should ever have to see Uh, You know, they've seen people killed right in front of them. Um, They've been driven from their homes. They've survived mortar fire. I mean, I was in West Mosul, which is now um, full of, uh, it's virtually all Sunni Muslim. Uh, Few few Christians, uh, virtually none, said they would ever consider moving back to West Mosul or even East Mosul. Um, which is considered relatively safe. Um, And there were kids playing on the streets, you know, among the ruins of the city. And we know that they were there uh, during the worst of the the bombardment to to, uh, liberate the city from ISIS. Uh, You know, a lot of American bombs were dropped in that city and a lot of civilian casualties were incurred. So I I can only imagine the children that I saw happily playing uh, really had a a rough couple of years, something that I'll never have to experience. I saw some kids that were remarkably... uh, dressed for school and on their way to school through walking through the utter ruin of West Mosul. They were, you know, this is a phenomenon I've seen in other places in, in Haiti, kids emerging from the worst sort of slums in absolute immaculate uh, school outfits. And I'm thinking of my kids, I can barely get them to comb their hair in the morning. <laughs> and and these kids are, so I saw that same phenomenon. There's three, three little boys, their father taking them to school in West Mosul. They looked perfect. So some kids are are getting back to school. Some kids, their education have been disrupted so badly that they'll never catch up again. Years, I mean, they haven't been going to school. Some of the children were living under ISIS, and their only education has been, as many people told me, they've been brainwashed for three years, and we're going to have to deal with that for a very long time. You know, how do you unravel these kids from what they've been taught and what they've experienced? Right.
0: Right. There's a
2: lot of trauma psychologists at work uh, in that part of the world right now.
1: You, is you were with Jesuit Refugee Service as well? I was with Jesuit Refugee doing?
2: Services and uh, Catholic Refugee Services, who all have programs there. Um, JRS has some uh, remarkable things going on uh, with uh, reestablishing education and uh, and and providing psycho uh, psycho trauma psychological trauma care for people who've been through uh, either displacement. Combat, you know, have been through the worst. So, Kevin, we
0: have two minutes left. Is it, how can people help? Right, we hear these stories. Is there anything that an average American can do to assist here?
2: Well, I think right off the bat, you can try to remember that um, you know, I mean, years ago, Colin Powell told President Bush, "If you break it, you you own it." That was his sort of the, the joke was the. Uh, the the Amazon, whatever the, the the joke was there, that the, the principle was that if you break something, you you own it. We broke Iraq badly. Um, and we have not followed through uh, on the restoration. Uh, we've we, I know a lot of people want to get out of Iraq. We want to get out of Afghanistan, but we're going to leave a lot of people that we've 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 made their vulnerability even more acute than it was before. So we have to think about that. So first I would say remember uh, the Iraqi Christians, the Yazidis, and other minority groups. Tell your congressperson that you remember them, and you expect that congressperson to uh, represent their interests when, when funding is doled out and policy is made in the future. And then you can donate. CRS JRS
0: Catholic relief services Jesuit Reconstruction refugee, Committee, refugee services aid to the church in need all very good you can find out more about these organizations and our organization at slash serious thanks so much for being with us today Kevin uh, thanks Colleen and Ashley from all of us at American magazine we're wishing you a wonderful day
2: channel, Sirius XM 129.